I can't take the stabbing. Can't take the Joyce. I would have tried to hide, I guess. I got no chest voice. <laughs> what? I don't know. I didn't chest voice? Yeah, that's what it says. Midsummer Maniacs. Happy Halloween. Yes, we're recording on Halloween. Ooh. Ooh, scary. It's kind of a spooky episode, too. It's a ghosty episode. Yeah. So, back from the dead. Midsummer Maniacs is a recap podcast dedicated to the ITV series Midsummer Murders. Each week, we dig into the episode of the show, including the murders, the mayhem, the loonies, and everything else we love. Big news. Yes. This week, we will be sharing a link. To t-shirts and other swag. swag that you can get for our podcast. Yeah. And we're going to support a charity with all of the money. Every bit of profit, which is going to be very little because we yep. want everything to be affordable. Every bit of profit is going to go to a charity. Yeah. And the charity will be called is called Direct Relief. Mm-hmm. You look this charity up. They're a health-based charity, which we thought was probably a good thing right now. And it's a global-based charity because we got people all over the place watching this crazy show. Yeah, well, and people all over the world need help. So, yeah. Um, And they do innovative technology as well as uh, helping during disasters. That's the other thing I liked about them. Yeah, so good stuff. So all the money will go to charity. But in the meantime, you guys can have some awesome T-shirts, if I do say so myself. Yep. And some other stuff, whatever you want to get. And we'll release that information this week and we'll release our funding goal next week. <laughs> Cause we wanna challenge you guys. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And this is not a way for us to get any money. No, we're not gonna make a dime. Yeah, we're not interested in that. We're interested in helping people out. And I think you guys are too. Yeah. Boy, some people in this episode need some help. Oh wow. Woo! Left for Done. Dead, season eleven, episode three. Yep. Uh, is another wedding episode mm-hmm. right after blood, blood wedding. wedding. And it is, it's dark. It's literally like who turned out the lights dark. <laughs> Tell us when it was filmed. Uh, it's filmed in August and September, 2007 broadcast the 20th of July, 2008 and 7.5, million, uh, viewers, Directed by Rennie Rye and written by Michael Crompton. Yes, Crompton. Okay. Who was contacted by the the uh, producer and asked to do a dark episode. Oh, so they this is made to order. Yeah. Is that it? <laughs> so he says in the magazine he drew upon a real life death and his uh, sort of extended family of a 23-year-old relative of his that was killed by a drunk driver. Well, that's sad. Yeah. This episode is based on sadness. (laughs) (laughs) It's misfortune uh, layered with sadness, time, and darkness. (laughs) I, I love stories that are that continuation of, like, this big event happened, and then... What you think happened didn't actually happen. I love stories like that. Mm -hmm. And there's two of them in this episode, really. Right. 
but this is really sad. <laughs> but we're not going to be sad about it. No. Because no. the world's full of too much sad already. So we're going to have fun with this. Uh, the village is Dunstan, which I don't think we, it's not Midsummer Dunstan. It's not Dun, Lower Dunstan. It's, it's just a regular village. And this is where apparently where Jones grew up. Yeah. But this is weird. Okay. We need a special sound for plot holes. Because <laughs> there's a number of them. How Jones and Mark Purdy are best friends in police college. Mm-hmm. And yet, would not Jones have known what he was like long before this if they grew up in the area? I think we're supposed to assume that... Mark did a really good job hiding this dark secret. And unless he's around his brother and these these other kids who were involved, it's out of sight, out of mind for him. Mm-hmm. And I think in his head, he is not responsible. It was his brother who did all the bad stuff. So, and that's just how he's lived his life. Well, so and, I don't hold it against Jones for not seeing his big character flaw. That's what we're led to believe. Yeah, yeah. But we start with a busybody on a bike. Oh, boy. Because in Midsummer, everybody who rides a bike is a busybody. And this biddy, biddy body? Biddy body? Biddy body, biddy. She bitty. is kind of a biddy, but she's got but her heart's her in the right place. But her name's not biddy. No, her name is Lynn Fox. Yes. She's played by Maggie Steed. Who is a great actress. She was also in Judgment Day. Yes. And she's been in lots of things, Pie in the Sky and all kinds of stuff. Yeah. She's a good actress. She's a more prominent role in Pie in the Sky. Yeah. And she has psychic powers. Sort of. Sort of. Sort of. When it's convenient and after the fact, she's psychic. This fence has a lock on it. I'm just going to climb right over it. Stay out. Yeah. Like, could that place be more foreboding than it is? It's not quite as bad as the other house in the woods in another midsummer, but it's but it's pretty dark. But she knows Libby and Ron, right? Okay, so she knows Libby and Ron, but Libby and Ron have no power, no water, supposedly. No power, no water, no gas. Supposedly. They are that secluded that they can't even tolerate having utilities. But they have some fine china. Yeah, and some silver. And cash just laying around. Anyway. The other episode that that reminded me of is a more recent episode where the old couple are in the manor that are the hoarders mm-hmm. and the people from the council come out to see them. Where are the council people? Where are the council people? But these two aren't geriatric. They're, they must leave. One of them must leave the house every once in a while to get food and things. So people know they're alive and okay. What kind of plot? Until now. What kind of plot (laughs) would it be where people were trapped in a house, unable to leave, and only one of them could go out and get groceries and things? Hmm. Oh, wait a minute. That's our harsh reality right now. That's been our last six months. (laughs) Let's hope we don't end up like Libby and Ron. (laughs) So Lynn has a petition. She wants to stop a bypass yeah. that Jack Purdy is is responsible for planning and uh, contracting. And it is well underway. And I wa- Why she thinks she can yeah. stop it now, I, want I, I to, don't know. I, want, I admire the people that work on Midsummer because I would not have the restraint they had 
because I read the petition. Oh, did you? And it's all petition-y. I'm like, I would have put some goofy crack in there, <laughs> like no spuds in the hole or some <laughs> some goofy crack. But they are so on the nose that it's just, it's it's regular. Well, and we don't really know why she's against the bypass, except that it means Alyssa's house is going to be torn down. But you know, in, in most Midsummer episodes, when something like this is going to happen, it's this will bring more people to our village. And either that's a good thing or it's a bad thing. Yeah. Right. Um, but in this case, it's just no bypass. And a lot of people feel like no bypass. But it's done. Like everything is destroyed. Yeah. And there's lots of B-roll of trucks and stuff. So yeah. it's a done deal. Yeah. It's totally a done deal. <laughs> I think it's a little late. And then second of all. So, they, and you assume that they must have taken Alyssa's house through eminent domain. So they they must have paid her for it. They can't just tear it down and leave her homeless. It doesn't work that way. So, I, she must have agreed to something. So how that worked was in the magazine. Rennie Rye talks about this. The director that they hadn't filmed any of those scenes about the destruction or the construction, mm-hmm. and he got caught in traffic at that construction area and he saw the abandoned house that was about to be torn down he's like this is my set (laughs) stop stop everything (laughs) so they rushed the crew out like two weeks after filming and got everybody to do all those scenes (laughs) because they didn't know what they were gonna do they had no they didn't have a house they could tear down or a big gravel pit to dig around in (laughs) well that's lucky yeah so he was the one petitioning them to stop yes. just long enough to film. And then you can do whatever you want. I don't care. Just wait till we're done. And she looks inside the house because she's nosy because that's who she is. Mm-hmm. And she sees Ron and Libby. Yep. Ron's at the bottom of the stairs in a heap. Yeah. She can't see Libby, but Libby is dead on the kitchen floor. Yeah. So Ron appears to have been pushed. Yes. Libby has died of natural causes. Yes. I think when Lynn flees the house or the side of the house after seeing his body, she should have just vaulted over that gate <laughs> and screamed help. But she stands behind it in the darkness. Help me. I'm at this house that nobody ever goes anywhere near in the darkness behind this gate under all these trees. Well, we haven't even talked about the next door neighbor, the one who's like, my man works for Purdy, so get the heck off of here. Yeah, get off my land. I don't care. I got a baby. <laughs> that woman is... Why is she working for him? Mm, I don't know. Money? <laughs> Go away. Go away. Um, so we get Scene of the Crime next, and another interesting thing about Scene of the Crime here is we are watching the evening version of this episode. Oh, because the blood on, uh, uh, who is it? Who is it? Uh, Ron. Ron Wilson. The blood on his face is in this episode. And it's it got cut from the daytime viewing version of this episode. Oh. And of course, George is like, there's blood everywhere. <laughs> I didn't even know they made like a lighter midsummer See, episode. now i'm interested in the lighter midsummer. <laughs> in what the changes are like and like last episode like were there the- boobies <laughs> in the daytime episode exactly 
because, you know, the UK has very different standards about what's okay for daytime versus evening than we do. Yes. They're much more laid back. So boobies may be okay for four o'clock in the afternoon. Maybe. So then we, so we find out it's a break-in, but it's not a burglary. And then of course it's revealed that their son, Michael, was hit by a car 20 years ago and it was a, it wasn't a hit and run, right? It was the Purdy's dad who hit him. He ran out into the street and got hit by the car and was killed. And since then, the Wilsons have been shut-ins. And Mark, Pur- Mark and Jack Purdy's dad surrenders himself. I read that newspaper article, too. Yeah, that's all complete, utter good text. I'm like, guys, you're missing the chance to put in weird you're stuff. You're just upset that you don't find anything. I know. You don't find Windows XP instructions. No. In the newspaper story. And we're introduced to Charlotte, who, like several characters in this episode, we never really know how to think about her. Mm-hmm. She's works with George and does a good job. Mm-hmm. She's friendly with Jones. Mm-hmm. She was Michael's kind of best friend when they were little. Mm-hmm. And uh, yet she's a lying murderess. Part of the gang yeah. that... Tried to kill Patrick. And also is like, like clearly sees evidence of things and then doesn't tell people about it. Yeah. I'm left confused about whether she genuinely likes Jones or whether she's trying to distract him from figuring out what they did to Patrick all those years ago. I, I don't trust her. I think she absolutely is just getting Jones to not pay attention. I've just never seen a photographer go to a wedding to take photos, leave in the middle of the reception to check them out, and then go back to the wedding. Did she bring her computer with her? (laughs) She goes back to her office to look at him. Why? And then comes back. I don't, it's like, you just put the memory card in your case and you keep going. It is the weirdest wedding ever. And we'll get to that. Yes. So... Lynn Fox, who had the petition, is part of a big protest group against the bypass. A bunch right? of old hippies. She's got Alyssa Bradley. Yeah. Who I love those two together because Lynn is kind of tall and statuesque with her useless beret popped on the back of her head. And Alyssa is short and nasty faced all the time. She's always making a nasty face. And so she stands behind Lynn all the time, like yep. Scowling at people. Yeah, the picture I chose for this week's episode is is Alyssa being angry in mm-hmm. front of protesters. But then they have the gang of angry hippies who, hey, you know what? You're trying to stop the destruction of the natural world. Yeah. Good for you. Yep. Right? But now I think what they're left with at this point is just Alyssa's house to protect. Yes. I think it's like the last stand. I agree. And Lynn's sidekick is Spud. Yes. (laughs) Spud, who is, of course, called Spud because his last name is Taylor, which is Tater. So Spud. Yes. Obviously. Obviously. Duh. Now, (laughs) as with every small town in Canada, I'm sure, there was a Spud where I grew up, but he wasn't a Taylor. We just called him Spud. Some kid. But you don't know why? I have no idea. He was older than me. Did he really like potatoes? I don't know. Did he eat tater tots a lot? We called him Spud. That's <laughs> it's just a nickname that we used. Poor guy. <laughs> and then I went, I worked in another small town near where I 
went to school and there was a spud who worked at the grocery store I worked at. Is there any place you went that there wasn't a spud? Not that I know of in Canada. It's, <laughs> I've never it's known a, a very, spud. Very common nickname. I've known Canada. buds, but never spuds. Spud. So there's this gang of kids, right? There's they were kids together. Yes. There's Louise. Yes. And Jack, who oh, are getting now, now wait a minute. What is Louise's last name? It doesn't matter because she's married. But before, now, what was her last name? It doesn't matter because she gets married. So that's all that's important. But Charlotte gets a last name. Charlotte's single. Okay. And Mark gets a last name. Because he's a guy. And Jack gets a last name. Because he's a guy. But Louise. Is just Louise. Sometimes Lou. Maybe like Prince. You think that she's just the, the girl formerly known as Lou? I guess. Louise? Maybe. Charlotte, Louise. Jack and Mark Purdy were like a gang yeah. as kids, and they all still live in Dunstan. Yes. Wouldn't you have moved away a long time ago if you were like, these people? Why is Mark there? I wouldn't if I were him. Why are they waiting to get married to go? And we know that Jack and Louise were a thing when they were younger, and even later because Mark, when he was a policeman with Jones... The two of them once had to go to their house to break up a fight where yes. Jack had beaten Louise. And so they split up and now Mark is marrying her. Yes. So she's now marrying the brother of the guy who beat her up. Yeah. Who is still an ass. That they share a secret with. Yes. But in the meantime, Jack has married Stacy. Yes. Who is the worst mother I have ever seen. Happy, happy. <laughs> <laughs> she must feel like such an outsider with those four. She has Because she has no idea what they did when they were younger. Like, Stacy's horrible, but I at least have some feelings for her. The fact that she accuses people of killing her husband right in front of her kids, and her kids are like, what? I have some flowers. <laughs> and she doesn't seem to care. Maybe she's not a bad mother. Maybe she just knows her kids are really dumb and don't pay any attention. And so she can say whatever she wants to in front of them. I don't know. So we've got a hen party and a stag do. Let's go bowling. The first appearance of bowling in Midsummer Murders. Lou is hardly wearing, Louise is hardly wearing any clothes. She has her hen do. No clothes on. She has on a corset yep. over, I don't know what that is, that pink thing. Why did Stacy go to the hen party? I don't know. Because they invited her. She had to go. Why couldn't she say, oh, I got to stay home. The kids are sick. I would have. I would have come up with any excuse any to excuse. not go to that. So in the U.S., these are not called stag and hen parties. No. Nope. What are they called in Canada? Stag and doe. Doe. Not hen? Yes. Doe. And they're very commonly in Canada these days held together. It's a big party you have before the wedding that's not like... Like, the first time I got married, we all went to a bar and played pool with all everybody. And was it the night before the wedding? Yeah. Okay. But it's not commonly in Canada. It's like a few weeks before the wedding. So, like, you typically, if you do it the night before, you would have, like, the rehearsal, a rehearsal dinner, and then everybody would go out, and that would be it. Yeah. Okay. And you, don't you raise money? Yeah, you raise money. You hand out a... you. Pass around a box and stuff like that. And it's the money is for the bride and groom. So do you know what they call a mixed gender party now? What? Hags. Hag, hag party. A hag party. It's hen and stag together. It's a oh, hag okay. party. I like that. 
I could find I wonder it. if they call them stoves in Canada. Well, apparently in Canada, they also call them Jack and Jill parties. Yeah, Jack and Jill parties. You're right. Yeah. So I went looking for some spot of, of sunshine in this episode <laughs> and thought, you know, I wonder, because obviously bachelor and bachelorette parties, which is what we call them here in the U.S., are pretty similar to stag and hen parties in that you split up guys and girls and you go and you get way too drunk and you do things that you're not going to be able to do after you're married and, you know, it's out of control and you expect to be sick the next day and all that stuff. So I wondered whether that's typical around the world because a lot of Western traditions have, you know, they spread and other countries adopt them. And in some ways they have, but I found so many weird things that people do (laughs) around the world prior to getting married that I would not put up with in any way. Okay. In Scotland, they do this thing called blackening the bride. Oh. Where they put the bride in the bed of a truck and they cover her in flour, eggs, treacle, and feathers. And people take turns throwing it at her. Is this a new thing or no. like a 1950s thing? It's an old thing. Okay. And then she's paraded around town. Because I don't expect a, a modern Scottish woman to be like, uh, no, you're not going to do that. Do I don't think she really has a choice. Oh. Uh, in Germany, they celebrate an impending wedding with something called a Polterbond, which means smashed. So you think, oh, they get drunk. No, no. They smash porcelain things. Oh, screw you, porcelain. Like tchotchkes. Screw you, porcelain. Yeah. And the toilet. <laughs> Little shepherdess. Smash! You do not want to get married in Argentina. Because in Argentina, they have a tradition for both men and women, but separate, where they strip you naked and parade you around town. Oh, in the, With the idea of showing the opposite sex, look what you're not going to be able to have. Good times. <laughs> This is not a party I want to go to. I certainly wouldn't want to have one. No. In China, the women take part in this thing called the crying game, where the bride cries and then her mother starts crying and then the aunties and grandmas start crying and everybody just cries. Yeah. I learned about that when I saw the movie The Crying Game. Yes. Um, In South Korea, they do a thing to the grooms where they tie them up or hold them down and they whip the soles of their feet. Oh. Sometimes with fish. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm in my head, I'm combining all these things together, you know, to like the most epic international party where you take a guy, it's got to be the guy, strip him naked, cover him with treacle and feathers, slap his feet with a fish, and then smash porcelain on top of him while he cries. There we go. Epic party. Epic party. In Switzerland, they draw squares on a man's pants, and when you go to the pub, you hand scissors to random women and let them cut a square of your pants out. How many stitches are involved in that? Oh, Jesus. I wouldn't want somebody to do that to me sober. No. Never mind a bunch of drunk people in a pub cutting at my pants. No. That sounds like injury waiting to happen. That's an injury waiting to happen. Oh, boy. So the folks in the episode, they go bowling. And then they go to separate pubs. And then... By the way, Charlotte's a photographer. She takes pictures everywhere. Everywhere. She's not in any of them. Nope. And the camera she uses at the party is pretty crap. But you wouldn't wouldn't take your good camera. Nope. 
This all sets up the men to be driving past the protesters on the village green because that's where everything goes down so that Spud and, and uh, Jack can get in a fight. Now, is this before or after the worst stripper in the world? Oh, it's after. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Because, wow. Okay. I, I have every sympathy for her. She, she's trying. She, okay. I, <laughs> it should really be the worst stripper scene in the world. Yes. Not the worst the stripper. stripper. No, no. Because she's trying. But she is not on a stage, not like above anybody, not on a chair, not on a table. She's not separated from the guys. She's in their laps. And Mark touches her. And I'm like, you don't do that, dude. <laughs> you, you don't touch the dancers, man. <laughs> I'd just like to say that that young lady has danced like that before. Yeah, I don't think she's new at it. No. Yeah. No. And I love when she snaps the elastic right in Jones's face. Yeah. And he's like, oh, I see something over there. I got to go check out. Yeah. <laughs> Jones is in this episode to be like, I'm the nice guy. Mm-hmm. It's, it's so weird. And Barnaby is so hard on him at different points in this episode. It's weird. Barnaby seems really stressed out yeah. this whole episode. Yeah. So then somebody throws red paint on Jack's car and then he's found dead in the car. Yes. Right. So we've got our first, well, not our first dead body because we've already had Ron and Libby. Yes. Our first murder in the episode. Let's just get this part out of the way. This is Jones's hometown. Mm-hmm. These people are killed in Jones's hometown. Mm-hmm. I get that he would be involved in that investigation. Mm-hmm. Jones, someone is murdered at the stag party that Jones is at the night before. Mm-hmm. He would be nowhere near this investigation. Well, yeah, and, if you apply he, real rules, but you can't do that in midsummer. They and, don't apply in midsummer. And he certainly wouldn't be interviewing witnesses. He would be a suspect. Uh, he'd be close to a suspect. He certainly would be ineligible to investigate. But how boring would it be if they followed the rules? Well, that's true. <laughs> As a matter of fact, Barnaby says, you will be the best man. Yes. Whether you I, like it or I'm not. like... No, that's not allowed either. She's like, I'm going to stay home in my cardigan. You let me know how it goes. You got to go be Why best man. Why is Barnaby so grumpy in this episode? I don't know. Maybe he knows it's sad. It's just a, it's a bad episode. He knows where it's going to go. It's going to be sad town. And he's not excited. And maybe it's because he watches his wife fondle his sergeant. Maybe. Yeah. So Barnaby, Joyce Barnaby touches Jones in weird ways in this episode. See, I didn't see this at all, but you saw it. I just she saw her comes like up fix his behind buttons. him. He's sitting down and she comes up behind him and puts her hand on his shoulder in a way that I would be uncomfortable with. So I wondered why they didn't make some kind of reference to let me fix your tie. Remember, I just had to fix a whole lot of ties because we just had this other wedding or something. Right? So I've just done this. I can do this right yeah. here. No, she just unbuttons his vest and rebuttons it. I'm not really even sure why she does it. Though I do think that the story about Tom's best man calling her Jenny is funny. Yes. I wouldn't have minded except she was there. <laughs> it should have been me. I have this image of a whole group of women in the back of the church weeping over Tom. All of Tom's ex-girlfriends. Oh, Bergerac, I love you. <laughs> and Joyce is like, uh, he's mine. Yep. Get 
back. As a matter of fact, I'm going to get pregnant on the honeymoon, so forget it. People must have really hated Jack Purdy because they went to a lot of work to make special flower arrangements that said, I'm glad you're dead. Yeah. (laughs) Who said that? Well, and when they announce it at the protesters, they're like, yay, he's dead. (laughs) Like, Lynn's like, no, we can't. You can't do that. Jack. Okay. Jack is a jerk. Okay. Yes. But absolutely no doubt. But in terms of the roadway, he's not doing anything illegal. No. The council guy's there to enforce the law that they followed. Yeah. But he's a bad person going way back. Boy, do people hate him. Back to when he had the braces. Yes. His problem is he may be right, but he's a jerk about it. Yes. That's his problem. Yeah, I would agree. Right? So Jack is dead. We realized that Jack and Mark have the same scars on their wrists. Yes. Later, we find out that Charlotte and Lou have the same scars. Louise had the same scars. Yes. Then, Spud's in the hole. Spud in the hole. (laughs) I almost thought like the actor had another gig that he needed to be gone for. And so they just said, we'll just put Spud in the hole. Then we don't have to show him and we can just do some, some voiceover later. Before that. They, they're at the cop shop in a tiny scene where uh, they explain about Michael's death. Yes. Did you see who the DCI was on that case? No. Fox. Oh. So I wonder if that person's related to Lynn. Little throwback. Little throwback. And we also get the, um, the fingerprint report. That George brings in and Jones is like, that can't be. And he's like, oh, we're going to double check it. And we're like, what is it? And no, I read the It says unidentified. It says unidentified. I'm like, you could have put the killer or weirdo who lives in the basement or something in there. Thinking that nobody would see it. Yeah. I'm just wondering why it's such a mystery that there's an unidentified set of prints. I got to think there's an unidentified set of prints in our house. There would be one at every crime scene. Yeah. I think it's just that there's only three sets of prints everywhere. That's it. Yeah. So it's been that long since anyone else has been in that house. Yeah. And the petition has gone missing from the stuff that Lynn flung up into the air as she ran away and didn't vault the gate like she should have. It gets read creepily later on. (laughs) Okay, we want you to read this creepy. Okay. Yeah. I'll read it creepy. Okay. Spud is chained to the foundation. Now, okay. Does everybody have a tunnel that leads to one spot in their foundation? Oh, I, I am going to propose that Spud is part gopher, which is why he ends up in the well <laughs> later on. Are we supposed to think he goes from that hole to the well? Yes. Surely not. Yes. It looks like it's a mile away. It's it's way far away. Okay, second of all, a foundation. It's usually cinder blocks or some sort of... Concrete. Concrete. How are you going to attach a chain to that? Well, Does he he go all the way around the foundation? He really doesn't have to do anything. He just has to go down there and say he did. Because who's going to know if he did? Because then he booby traps it. Because he wants to bury himself alive, I guess. Spud is problematic. To save one little house. Yeah. That is already isolated in the middle of nowhere. Everything is dug up all around it. They've already lost. Yeah. It's just so weird. I understand Alyssa 
thinking my son might come back and he won't he won't know where I am if that I'm not here. That is heartbreaking. It's not a sensible thing to think, but I understand yeah. it. It's yeah. a sentimental thing to think. Yeah. But why Spud should care about that, I do not know. Enough to like endanger his whole life. Yeah. And how long is he in the hole? Like 24 hours he's I in the gu- hole? I guess. And then he's in jail. Because he's wanted on a bunch of warrants. Well, because then he's in the well. Yes. There's a great picture in the magazine of Spud coming out of the well. In the sling? Yep. Or they hoist him out of there? Spud in the well. <laughs> he looks so defeated. Okay. Can we talk about the wedding now? Okay. So hold on. Why? What? Wait. Before we get to the wedding, why are Alyssa and Lynn at the church? We hate these people. We hate this family. We know they're getting married today. Let's go to the church. Well, and if I've got the time right in my head, Jack dies the night before the wedding. I think so. Wouldn't you call off the wedding? So in the morning, they find out he's dead and they go ahead and get married later that afternoon. And Alyssa and Lynn go to church. Why are they at the church? I think Lynn comes because she actually feels bad that something happened to Jack and the paint and she wants them to know no hard feelings. We didn't, we didn't hurt him. I think that's why Lynn is there. I think Alyssa is there to make dirty faces at people. <sighs> Cause that's what she does. And I think Alyssa suspects that they did something to her son. I think she's always suspected that this little circle of jerks did something to her kid. And so she's never going to let that go. Yeah, I think so. I think she, might I think she's more psychic than Lynn is. I think they have different motives for being there. Now, can we talk about the wedding? Okay. Poor Jones. <sighs> wow. Giving a best man speech with what? Three hours notice? I guess. Not even a day's notice. I wasn't the first choice. <laughs> you just made a joke about a dead guy who got murdered less than 24 hours ago. Yeah. Who is the brother of the groom. Too soon? I know you killed my husband. <laughs> like, these people just fling around accusations willy-nilly. So Jones has to give this speech. It's so embarrassing when he says, oh, we have presents for the bridesmaids. They're, now, they're gone. Well, oh. Yeah. Uh, okay. I have a question. All right. Charlotte helps Lou get dressed. Mm-hmm. They have been children together mm-hmm. they were friends since they were children why is she not a maid of honor some other girl is the maid of honor because she's the photographer but so maybe she opted out of that <sighs> she said no i want to take the photographs we don't know who that other lady is who's sitting next to jones at the high table i i have a su- i have a suggestion for who it is oh you think you know yes i do okay i think that it's Saco claire <laughs> Sock Eau Claire. Yes. When they find uh, Jack Purdy's body, uh, George is talking to a woman named Claire. Oh. Go over and do this, Claire. And now she's in the wedding party. Yes. Oh, okay. She gets a, she doesn't get a last name and no lines, but Louise doesn't get a last name either. I You're guess stuck on that, aren't you? I guess they're too expensive to give out last names. Maybe you have to pay more if you give somebody a last name. I guess name. so. Sock Eau Claire. So the wedding seems okay. Except for the creeper. But we know that though they've given up the tickets for their Seychelles honeymoon. Yes. That 
Mark, I keep wanting to say Jack, that Mark yeah. and Louise are planning to take off. So they have a plan. They have their passports with them. And 20 minutes or so after their special dance, they're going to pretend to have a fight and take off. Yes. And not come back. About his dead brother. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Who died less Last than night. 24 hours yes. ago. Okay. Okay. Yes. Okay. Okay. But before they can take off, they have to have their first dance. Yes. Did you listen to the song? Oh, I listened to the song and I tried to find the song. I looked everywhere. I looked for the lyrics of the song. I couldn't find it anywhere. Because at most weddings, you your first dance as man and wife is to a song that you've chosen. It's a super special song. So it's a special song for the two of you. This one talks about being best friends. Like forever. Yeah, it's a very strange song. They had to have made it up. Well, it led me down a rabbit hole. It did. Are you ready for my rabbit hole? So explain the rabbit hole to me. This is not the first time we've heard a weird song in Midsummer. Oh, the author episode. Yeah, a song that you don't recognize and you're like, what what is that supposed to be? And you know that it's some song created just for the show, so they're not paying licensing for a really expensive song that people would recognize, right? That's already been produced. Yep. So I wanted to know how that happened. Like, who is responsible for the best friend song? Yes. And why is it about friends? And the credits of Midsummer are willfully bad at this. Yeah, they don't provide a lot of detail, so it's difficult no. to find out. So I went looking for information about this because, frankly, this episode is sad and dark. And so I was like, hey, maybe that'll be fun if I look into that. Literally dark. <laughs> So here's what I found out. What I found out is that production studios like ITV and many, many others try to avoid licensing expensive songs when they need a song. They produce their own songs. But because they don't want to hire a songwriter to write it, because that would take them right back to square one with the same difficulty, they try to create generic songs that sort of (laughs) fit the situation. And this is usually done by the music director. Right. But lately, what a lot of companies are doing is using software to generate songs. So they pick a tone, like this is a happy song, it's a sad song, it's a pop song, it's an 80s song, whatever. And they put in a few phrases that seem to fit and randomly generate some lyrics that nobody's really going to listen to anyway. No, no And then some studio band just records it real quick. And now they've got a song and it hasn't cost them hardly Only anything. maniacs listen to those songs. Only us. Yeah. So I found one of the places where they do this, one of the pieces of software they use to generate okay. these random lyrics. And I generated a song. Oh, you did? I did. This is like the Ballad of Midsummer Maniacs or something. Uh, no, because I put, it's kind of like a Mad Lib. Like okay. you put in some key terms okay. and a tone. And then it generates the song for you. Is this uh, Yeah, we can provide tool. a link to the site. Yeah. Yeah, to the tool. Sure. But not to my song. No. My song, which is titled, The Way You Hide. The w- oh, okay. Also known as, The Killer, Creepy, and Detective Man Song. Oh, okay. This is completely generated <laughs> yes. by it, right? So I put in Mad Lib words, right? So it said, give me nouns, give me verbs, give me a tone, it yep. generated this song. And this is supposed to be um, a romantic song. So this is, what was the name of it again? The Way You Hide. The Way You Hide. So this, is, this could be played at, at, at a wedding in Midsummer. 
<laughs> sure. Okay. It's no, it's a song about this episode. Oh, okay. Okay. So I will now read the lyrics to my song. This Are you ready? Dramatic reading mm-hmm. of the lyrics to Away no, You Hide. I did not write this. Okay. 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 You find so many are people are filler, but you, you are mostly killer. I like the way you hide. You do it like a side. I like the way you stab. You do it like a crab. I like the way you. You find so many people are sleepy, but you, you are mostly creepy. (laughs) I love the way you wear your hair, stopping crime everywhere. You're like a style fountain, enough zazz for a whole mountain. (laughs) Style fountain? Yes. (laughs) You find so many people are protective, but you, you are mostly detective. (laughs) You're the perfect man. No one solves a crime like you can. You find so many people are like a sleepwalker, but you, you are mostly stalker. (laughs) Killer, creepy, and detective, stalker, and two are the qualities, the qualities of you. You find so many people are filler, but you, you are mostly killer. You, you are mostly killer. Yes. Might be the title of the episode. I like, you're like a style fountain, enough zazz for a whole mountain. <laughs> and the way you stab, you do it like a crab. That's brilliant. Yeah. Crab stabbies. I think it kind of encapsulates this episode. I think so. <laughs> you're the perfect man. No one solves a crime like you can. Thus ends my dramatic reading of the song, The Way You Hide. So Mark and Lou are, go their separate ways. And Lou gets attacked. Yeah. Brutally. Yeah. This may be one of the most brutal killings in Midsummer. Yeah. Never mind that Patrick insists on wearing these weird goggle masky things. Why does that have he no wear purpose them? Why does he wear those? Because it hides his face so he can blend in. <laughs> and he has a camera. Where does he get his film developed? I don't know. How did he know the wedding was there? How, like, like, there are so many things that an individual like him would have trouble with. Yes. But, you know, he has been living in that cellar for 19 years. Yes. So he's bound to have slipped out and snuck around a little bit. And I guess now that his parents are dead, the people he thinks are his parents are dead. Yeah. I, I think he's on the loose. Yeah. Just in time. Well, he kills poor Lou. Why is there... Pins her down, burns her with her own cigarette. And then stabs her. And then stabs her. Which we don't really know about till we get to the hospital. That she's been stabbed. It's a weird editing mix there. And she screams really loud. I mean, I guess the music inside could have been pretty loud, so nobody heard it. They're singing about crabs. (laughs) I like the way you stab, you do it like a crab. So then she ends up in the hospital. Yeah. Why is there that hospital part? I don't know. So we can see somebody give CPR in the worst way ever. I'm just going to press on your shoulder. Live, live. (laughs) The whole CPR, the whole hospital scene. I'm like, why couldn't they have done this outside of the, the, the wedding reception? Because then you don't get the the drama of everybody standing on the other side of a window. It's, uh, which does not happen ever. That there's ever a room like that in the hospital. Wait a minute. 
let me go to my computer and see if the killer is in that picture. Yes. Oh, and then the WPC is going to use uh, Gale, magical computer whiz Gale, is going to use her super software to turn one low-res picture of Patrick as a child into Spud. Into Spud? Even as a hat. She puts Bembo's sock hat on him. That's the worst <laughs> aging software because he, he looks exactly like Spud. <laughs> it, it's not aging software. It's turn everyone into Spud software. Oh, Spudsware. Spudware. Spudware. Yeah. Spudware. We put your photo in there and it would make you look like Spud okay. Okay. in a sock hat. It's magic. Then Charlotte gets firebombed. We don't know who did it. I don't think Patrick is capable of doing that. No, I don't think he knows how to make casual, Molotov cocktails. Casual firebombing. But it's she ends so up in the hospital from smoke inhalation, I guess. Enhance. Her camera is really good because it can turn like four pixels in the darkness into a full res, high definition photo of a guy in creepy goggles. Yes. It's amazing. Really, the police should be using that software. And then we have what can only be titled the worst flashback ever. How so? It is long. It's really long. It's brutal. Mm -hmm. You know what's going to happen. Mm -hmm. It's sad. Yes. And it's completely unrealistic of how kids actually act. You think so? In some respects, right? I mean, I would like to think that most kids are not cruel like this. No, I, I know they do pick on each other, but... Kids are cruel yeah. and kids pick on each other. But at some point of those four people, somebody would have said, no, come on, let's go. This is stupid. Yeah. And would have had peer pressure enough to talk the other ones into it. Yeah. Like Mark, because we get to revisit the flashback. <laughs> yeah. We get the revised flashback. Mark is homicidal. Mm. He Mark and Jack both are he, jerks. They No, no. Because their they're dad. They're not jerks. They kill that boy. Yeah. And we're, we're kind of led to believe it's because their dad um, is cruel to them, right? Because since he ran over Michael, he's been an, an abusive alcoholic. Yeah. And is about to kill himself. They don't know it at that point. But they learned it from him. And then they throw him down. So they drown him, and then they throw him down the well. Yes. Did you hear the thud when he falls down the well? Yeah. Like, the... It's a dry well. The Foley people did a good job there because I went, ugh. Yeah. I mean, it's only short of like crunch sound. So then they almost kill each other because the, the cuts on their wrists would have almost killed them. Yeah. Like of all the places to cut yourself symbolically, like, why would you do it on your wrist? Put it up here on your- On your finger. On your finger. Cut the tip of your finger. Right across your palm. Yeah. No, no. No, no. Let's almost kill ourselves. Let's slit our wrists. I, I would say, you know, Jack has a lot of skill because he cuts everybody and doesn't kill any of them. And Mark leads them to the well, and at the bottom of the well is a potato growing. Oh, wait. No, it's Spud. It's just Spud and a bike because bikes belong in wells in midsummer. Why is it wells and bikes <laughs> again? At least this one makes sense. They hide his bike where they hit his body. And, okay, midsummer cops have done some bad things in the past. Okay. But this is not a big town. No. You lose a boy. Mm -hmm. I'm going to go look down that well. Yeah. Well, no, because he wasn't supposed to go there. So they shouldn't check there. (laughs) It's where all the other kids hang out, but he's not there. That's one of the first places I would look. 
Are there any wells around? Yep. Any holes? Caves. Caves, ditches? Yep. How about that hole next to the foundation of the house? Maybe he's in there with Spud. Spud. No, Spud has dug to the well. (laughs) I want to know how Libby and Ron found him in the well. They were out just walking. I mean, I guess he was hollering. I guess. Maybe they didn't find him in the well because they had already rescued him. Okay. But why did they leave his bike? And I understand these people have been through a traumatic incident losing their son. And that is horrific. Mm -hmm. But at no point in time, even during the most horrific point, would I say, I clearly know whose child this is, but I'm going to lie. And the Wilsons are horrible people. Yes. Because not only did they take somebody else's kid, but... That they knew. They must have known Alyssa. Yes. They knew that he was Alyssa's son. But in order to get away with it, they mistreated him, kept him basically in a cellar in their house. When they found him, he must have had grievous injuries. Did they take him to the hospital? No. No. Because that would have given it away, right? So they keep him at home, nurse him himself... And he ends up all screwed up. And you do something easy, like make Libby Wilson a nurse. Yeah. Instantly, you have that all plot hole fixed up. Yeah. But he was drowned and thrown down a 20-foot well on top and a bike thrown on top of him. Yeah. He is not in good shape. No. I would think his back would probably be broken. I don't even think mentally, like not even mentally, physically, Physically, he he is not in good shape. But he climbs up, the kid climbs out of the well. Do they say that? It shows him climbing out of the well. Oh, I figured they found him down there and rescued him. No. So then is he unable to tell Libby and Ron what happened to him? Or did they know all along that the Purdy's and Louise and Charlotte did that to him? I'm not sure about that, but they absolutely would have known it was Alyssa's child. No, they would have known who he was, but... Patrick would not have been able to tell them how he wound up in the well and I how think he, he was he would hurt. have had some trouble there. It's a traumatic event. You lose memory. Well, he doesn't know who he is, yeah. right? He obviously does lose his memory or they brainwash him enough that yeah. he forgets who he was. But that that is despicable what they did. Horrific. They are bad people. The Wilsons are bad. The kids are bad. And I'm going to say it right now. Patrick is bad. Yeah. He goes and kills people. Not in self-defense. Because I kept thinking, oh, yeah, Mark's the murderer. I kept on thinking that. Yeah. And then I'm like, no, no, Patrick's the killer. There's no mystery in this episode at all. No. It's just sadness. Yeah. Because you see him looming and you see killer vision. And you know exactly who he is. Yeah. So it must be him. Yeah. It's It's just sad. Yes. That he's so broken mentally, physically, that he doesn't know right from wrong and kills people. Tortures people. Yeah. Lou doesn't get a last name, but she gets cigarette burns on her arms. And then he he ties Tom up in the cellar. That's just inexcusable. No. Wait. (laughs) Before that, we have to talk about the most important thing about the episode. Okay. Cully has a new headshot. <laughs> it's a good photo. It is a good photo. So I read, I did some reading about the last episode, the blood wedding episode, mm-hmm. and that was supposed to be Cully's last episode, mm. but they brought her back. So did they show her photo because 
they're trying to say she's not gone. I don't know. Or was it just an excuse to have a new photo? And so it made Barnaby Barnaby realize there's no photos of Michael. There's no photos of Michael. Then Patrick goes back to Alyssa's. He's asleep. They've got to arrest him. The house gets torn down. The end. Yeah. Spud is in the wrong place at the wrong time. (laughs) So in the second flashback, the flashback that we see Jack getting killed, Mm -hmm. Spud's like, do, 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 do. And walks in the middle of all of this crap. Oh, yeah. He just happens to have some paint to throw on Jack's car. Yeah. And because he's around the corner fighting with Louise, he just dumps the paint and runs off. And then the Little other- does he know, the other weird creepy thing Patrick is, is in his goggles in the darkness. Like, we're supposed to feel sympathy for Patrick, but when he turns the light off when he's talking to Barnaby, that's scary crap and that's serial killer crap. Yeah. Yeah, and he's got that sign. What does the sign say? Don't let the outsiders see you. Yes. Or something like that. Just more evidence that the Wilsons are just god-awful people. Don't let the outers know you're in. That's it. Yeah. So he's been brainwashed most of his life to hide himself. He kills his father. Yeah. Accidentally. Okay? He doesn't know his own strength, and he's upset. Because he's just found out he's not who he thinks he is. And he can't process it. I forgive him for that one. That's an accident. And I almost forgive him for Mark, even though he brought a knife. Uh, sorry, Jack. He brought a knife. He was going to kill Jack. I can't forgive him for Jack and Louise. Almost. Louise, no. Definitely no. No. And I think given the opportunity, he would have gone on to kill Charlotte, too, and Mark. Like Jesus, I rose again. What? Whoa! <laughs> creepy, creepy. I do want to say the guy who plays Patrick does an oh amazing job. Yeah, does a really good job. Cause wow, is he creepy? Harry Peacock is his name, and he does a great job. And I am scared for Barnaby when he's in that cellar. Why did he go there alone? Oh, because he's Barnaby. <laughs> Plus, Jones is off doing wedding stuff. Like, take a uniform with you. Yeah. Just to look out. Mark Purdy drowned and beat up this kid, mm. threw him down a well. Mm. Now, we only have Charlotte's testimony of this and Mark's testimony. Because mm-hmm. okay. in Mark's version, he's like basically the guy going, hey, we shouldn't do this. Yeah. He doesn't kill him. Why is Mark Purdy being arrested? Because they tried to kill him. Maybe and didn't but, tell anybody. But for there's all that no time? statue of limitation. There's a statue of limitations on attempted murder, but not murder. Mm. I don't know why they arrest Mark. Because if they didn't, it would look bad. Yeah. Right. I mean, as a story, it would be. Oh, so all these people did this horrible thing to this little kid. Now, granted, they were children too, and they're just going to get away with it. Yeah. With that in mind, does Charlotte get arrested too? Yes. Yeah. She has to. She has to. Now, she won't go to jail because it's just probably obstruction of justice on her part. Yeah. Which you probably can't even charge a kid with. So they may arrest her and then they may release her in exchange for her giving them information, giving them the story of what really happened. They only have her word for it. They could just say Jack did all of it. Yeah. And both of them could walk away. Yeah. But I think Charlotte's going to tell the truth. She does tell the truth. And she implicates Mark more than he'd like to be And I think Mark is contrite. 
it's destroyed his life yeah. in a lot of ways. Well, Mark has had a rough week. Yeah. <laughs> I think so. Oh. Best corpse? <laughs> nice corpse. Best corpse? I'm going to go for Ron Wilson because he is upside down on the stairs. Yeah. He's well sprawled. He's well sprawled. He looks like he's fallen from a great height. That can't be comfortable. No. I I lied on our stairs a couple of times trying to get that into a comfortable position. (laughs) I couldn't do it. Well, and somebody gets pushed over the banister, probably onto a big cushion, but... But still. Yeah, I mean... Yeah. Yeah, he does a good job of looking as if he landed very poorly. But I give it to you. Louise gets victim of the week. She, <laughs> when he's burning. I think Patrick her, gets victim of well, the week. Okay. No, when when she, when Patrick is burning her arms, mm-hmm. I think she does an amazing job of acting. You should rewatch that scene. I think she thinks she's actually getting burned. Yeah, it's it's bad. And there's a sound. She, she does a great, I'm getting killed. Yes. I know that's not best corpse, but no, it's she, it's best pre-corpse, best victim. Yeah. <laughs> oh, we'll have a best victim next week. That's for sure. Oh boy. So after the credits, um, Lynn and Alyssa are are sad. The house gets torn down. Spud goes to jail. Mark goes to jail. Charlotte maybe visits jail. Well, Patrick definitely goes to prison. Alfie, like Alyssa goes to visit. Patrick in prison. Yeah. She is, she, like Mark Purdy, have had a rough week. Yes. Hopefully Lynn finds another cause. And Stacy Purdy maybe moves on with her oblivious daughters. They were well off. Yeah. So. Or takes over the company and starts managing the bypass construction. I don't know. I I don't really care what happens to her. No. Ugh. We need. It is an episode of, yeah. We need a palate cleanser. We need a, an up note for the end. Oh. <gasps> I've got something. Oh, you do? Okay. I, do. I have it. Because I, I don't have a most horrible movie this week. Oh, you don't? None of these people. I mean, like. Like Lynn, uh, Maggie Steed, who plays Lynn Fox, is a great actress. Yeah. And Mark Purdy, who is played by Sean Dooley, is really good. Oh, my gosh. misused in this episode. Sean Dooley is in Misfits, which we've talked about before. He plays Greg in Misfits, who is the worst human being ever. Oh, no. I don't know about that, because for a nice guy, he plays bad guys a lot. Yes, he does. Um, He's in Gunpowder with Kit Harington, that miniseries, and he is a very bad person in that. very bad person in that. He's also in Jamestown, which is a really good show. So, I mean, a lot of the things he's been in are great. Um, He's a a guy, and I I wanted to talk to you about this. He always looks like a kid. mm -hmm. He looks really young all the time. And he's even got like a gray beard now, and he still looks. He young. looks like a younger guy with a gray yeah. beard. He's, he's aging very he, well. He he is a face that looks young. Okay, so are you ready for the surprise? Yes, I made more than one song. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> the second one is less about this episode and more about Midsummer in general. Okay, and it's a different genre. Okay, what genre is this? It's a rap song. It's it's a Midsummer rap. Yes, it's called A Midsummer State of Mind or The Well Hip Hop. 
I like how they give you two titles. You've got two titles to pick from. This is the most mashed up weirdness that we have ever done. You know what? This episode needed help. It did. It, and it like this episode is a good episode mm-hmm. of a police procedural that's sad all the time. It it's would a have dark been a, day in midsummer. It would though. have been a great episode, but Mids- it's too dark for midsummer. They got the tone wrong. I don't know if I can do this justice. Okay. Because I'm not a rapper. No, you're you might not. think I am, but I'm not really. You're not a rapper. Um, but I do have. You a, did that tour with Salt and Pepper. I do have some English degrees, okay. so I I can read. Okay. So we'll give it a shot. Okay. <laughs> Woo. As every rap song starts, it starts with a little like talking to lead up yeah, to the song. A little talk part. Okay. Just yeah. to explain. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Ayo, Barnaby, it's time. It's time, Barnaby. I begin, Barnaby. Straight out of the creepy dungeons of rap. <laughs> Should I wait till you're done laughing to actually start the rap song? <laughs> Yo, Barnaby. I straight out of the creepy dungeons. Yep. The case drops deep, as does the killer. He creeps in the shadows like a caterpillar. Beyond the walls of woods, life is defined. I think of crime when I'm in a midsummer state of mind. <laughs> You don't think this is good so far? <laughs> I hope that Jones finds some bones. Ignore this. Hope that Jones finds some bones. Ignore the spud. He's just a dud. Run up to the killer and get the thriller in a midsummer state of mind. What more could you ask for? The scary case. You complain about stabbing. I gotta love it though. Somebody still speaks for disgrace. I'm rapping to the well. Killer straight from hell. Clever, broken, guilty like a knife. Boy, I tell you, I thought you were rife. I can't take the stabbing. Can't take the Joyce. I would have tried to hide, I guess. I got no chest voice. What? I don't know. I didn't chest rap- voice? Yeah, that's what it says. I'm rapping to the dwell. I'm gonna move your well. You better watch your behind. Yeah, yeah, I'm in a midsummer state of mind. When he was young, my boy had a new bike. He hung out with some kids whose faces I do not like. I never thought I'd see that face. Ain't a soul alive that could take boy's place. No married man in the cellar. Married man helped kill the feller. Thinking of crime. Yes, thinking of crime and a midsummer state of mind. In a midsummer state of mind. Creeping in the shadows like a caterpillar. Do caterpillars really creep in the shadows? I don't know. Hope that Jones finds some bones. Ignore the spud. He's just a dud. You can find Midsummer Maniacs on Twitter. <laughs> Instagram email and You're your just local on. <laughs> and hip hop clubs. Post on the Facebook groups Midsummer and Acorn and the subreddit for Midsummer Murders on. Reddit. I can't take the stabbing, can't take the Joyce. I would have tried to hide. I guess I got no chest voice. Chest voice? What is chest voice? I don't know. <laughs> Find us everywhere. Stay tuned for info about swag. It won't have any of this rap on it, I, I promise. Next episode, 63, episode four of season 11. Oh, boy. It is a good episode. It is Midsummer Life. We see the return of some familiar faces. And a dryer of death. A dryer of death and a, and a growth that moves. Just to take you out. No, man, no married man in the cellar. Married man helped kill the feller. 
Bye, maniacs. Bye, maniacs. I think you sure are purdy. You sure are purdy, Mark Purdy. And if you're purdy, that means that um, you're a bit sadistic and um, you lie. uh, And you're kind of a bad person. That's what being purdy means. Okay. At least in Dunstan.